there. Welcome to Culture by Culture, a multidimensional exploration of Black and Asian pop cultural ties. I'm your rock star host, Delia. And today, I am joined by a band that I saw in real life. Yeah, I went outside and I saw them in real life. It was a big deal. Big day for me. <laughs> so today, I'm joined by Sheila the Band. Yay! Yay! Uh, <laughs> Hi, y'all. Can y'all please introduce yourselves and tell us about what y'all do in the band, your roles? Mindy, you're first. Okay, <laughs> I guess I'll start. <laughs> I'm Mindy. I am the vocalist. So, you know, I, I throw down some vocals. I sing and I, you know, we write songs and, and everything. And um, yeah, I joined the band, I believe, back in like November, December of last year. So um, here I am. Hi, I'm Courtney. I play guitar, write songs, generally just amazing, but you know. <laughs> My name's Rhea. I play drums. And I play bass and keyboards as well. And I'm the other third of Sheila in our songwriting process. Excellent. I'm so excited to have y'all here. Y'all don't understand. So uh, first of all, I was telling my dad about this episode because he was like, what's your next episode going to be about? And he loves, he's got very eclectic taste in music for his age. I had him on my first episode of this podcast. He's he's a big age. He like grew up in the segregated South. Like he 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 kind of an old head, but he still likes, you know, like pop punk stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, they do anime covers. And that is his bread and butter. He was like, what's their handle? Let me know. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So yeah, he's supposed to be checking y'all out. Before we get into the like meat of the interview, I did want y'all to, in your own words, describe your band and the music that y'all make. Oh, this has been so difficult. I've tried to describe this to like five different people in like the last few weeks. So I think when we started, we were very like hard rock, like, you know, like punk. Type of, yeah. And R&B type of thing. Mm -hmm. I think now that we've like going on our like third album, we've definitely changed it up. It's more because um, to accommodate like Mindy's vocal styles, because she's definitely like a quieter, softer, beautiful singer. BTW Mindy. <laughs> All right. Our style has gotten more chill. So it's more like, I would say like, Indie alternative mm. and mm. and Midwest emo-y because that's what we've been listening to for like the last like two years now because of the pandemic. That's interesting. I, again, I'm not, I've never been in a band per se. I've been in a marching band, not the same thing. <laughs> um, and I've not really ever considered, because it happens, you know, you get new singers, new lineups, how that would change the sound. I guess I've always just assumed that singers come in and try and match the style. I didn't realize Maybe that's silly of me, but I didn't realize, oh, no, maybe the band sound has to change to accommodate the singer in their style. Mm. And it's that um, me and Rhea wanted to do, too. Like, before, not like we said a bad thing or anything, but, like, before we were writing music, a lot of our music, like, reflected our experiences. Like, we wrote a, a lot of stuff about, like, police brutality, mm -hmm. like, being Black in America. But, like, we wanted people to know that, like, that's not the only thing we write about. Mm. Not that it's not important because it, it is really important to us. But we just wanted to, like, change our style and just write, like, cute songs. Like, just cute songs about, like, being happy. Like Just, like, fun. Exactly. Just showing that, you know, black joy and being fun and being soft and being cute. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I was looking at y'all's music and I was like, oh, they're really out here. But I <laughs> know having done work in, like, the fan activism space, if you're always on in that way, it can get real, real draining. Not because it's not important. Mm -hmm. It's because it's important that it's so draining. So you have to take time for, yeah, joy and the positive outlook on life. It can't be fighting all the time, though it is important to fight. It's like every song, every new song that we would write and like send through each other. It's like, what's the theme of this one going to be? Well, I guess it's going to be about police brutality, but like it's literally emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Like, draining. Mm -hmm. like, always have like that being like an aspect of your life, but then also like singing about it and like just it, like encompassing everything. And it can be really, really draining and tiring too. So I wonder, how did y'all get started? Were y'all needing a creative outlet to speak on these things? Like, where did it all begin for y'all? So like we've been through like, I think Mindy's like our third iteration of a singer. So like we mm -hmm. started in college. We're, we're kind of old. We're like 30. So <laughs> Same. <laughs> Almost things. <laughs> He's like, not me. <laughs> so yeah, we started in college with one of our friends and it was just kind of like a fun thing because we were literally just teaching ourselves how to play these instruments. And it was like, oh, let's like see if we know how to write songs because we were music majors in college. And so oh, okay. it was just like super fun or whatever. And then after she exited and we got our second singer, Shire, that's when we like for sure wanted to make it serious. Uh, I think we like talked to like three or four or five other people like, hey, 
This is like serious for us. We want to start getting into DC, playing shows. Mm -hmm. And Shire had went to George Mason with us and she was Mm -hmm. living in North Carolina at the time. Wow. And I just reached out to her on like Facebook. I was like, hey, I hope you remember us. We were in pet band together. Do you want to be in a band with us? She was like, I would love to, but I live in North Carolina. But like we made it happen uh, for Mm -hmm. a few years. So it was cool. And then she had decided that she wanted to like just pursue different things. And that was great for her. But then, Mm -hmm. um, so then we were like, oh shit, we have to find another singer. And so we didn't have to look that long. I think we looked Mm -hmm. for like maybe two months. And then like, I think we had reached out to Mendy. And then we have like a band. What is it called? Um, Band mix. Band mix. I was thrown for a loop by that because I haven't touched band mix in like three years. I haven't logged into band mix. Band mix is essentially, you know, a website where musicians and bands like say, hey, I do this. Here's my work. Do you want to like, you know, collab, whatever. I hadn't checked it in like three years. I started making music on my own. I come from a very musical family. My dad plays guitar, keyboard, mm-hmm. bass, all that stuff. And I play a couple instruments and I saying mostly but yeah i had my own little channel and i was posting pretty regularly you know updated new stuff and then they were like oh yeah we found you on band mix in my dms (laughs) do you want to like see if things work out and do a little session and listen to some of our music and i was like oh yeah totally that sounds really cool at first i kind of thought it was like uh you know you get those like spam like (laughs) things that are like like, hey we love your artwork send us xyz blah 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 and then i actually went to the page i was like oh, okay they're like real people um <laughs> they sound pretty freaking cool and i'd love to to join them that's so interesting yeah. is that like was their musical style a musical style that you were already kind of into or um was that yeah they definitely were music that i listened to myself like the type of music i was like oh yeah this sounds like stuff that i like um already um I would say that, you know, on my own, I definitely was doing more like softer music, like acoustic guitar and like Mm -hmm. acapella, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But yeah, I definitely wanted to give being in this band a try. Previously, I'd tried to do bands here and there and they just, they weren't very serious. They didn't really have much of a work ethic or Mm -hmm. the styles just weren't meshing. I relate a little bit. That's very common in the podcasting Mm -hmm. space too. Like there's a lot of podcast ideas, but not as many podcasts that are serious and actually like take off over time, yeah. you know? That's very relatable. <laughs> um, you know, that's everyone, that, I was like, that's like everyone's go-to, like you're just sitting there drunk with your friends. Oh my God, we should make a podcast. We should like <laughs> yeah, exactly. buy some microphones and like <laughs> Let's buy some microphones. We're room, so hilarious. Yeah. We should we should totally do this. And sometimes y'all are hilarious, but podcasts like bands are a lot of work. <laughs> I'm curious to know how y'all got into anime covers mm-hmm. then. Because when I went, I don't know what I was expecting. Because again, for those who don't know, I saw y'all initially at Sakura Matsuri, which is a festival, part of the Cherry Blossom Festival here in D.C. It's a Japanese street festival. Very fun. Super cool. Y'all should go next year if y'all haven't been. But that's where I first saw y'all. So I don't know what I was expecting when I was going to search y'all's music. But like I like y'all were talking about, I saw like some of your older work and I was like oh this is real I don't know what the word is not radical I mean maybe radical for some it's just like it's just a different shift of content that um we hadn't done previously yeah 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 which I also thought was extra cool but then it made me wonder well how did we get to anime covers like how did y'all enter that space maybe it's just a marketing strategy maybe it was like you know what things are real heavy you know what I like anime so I'm just curious what the thought process was you know what's crazy um so like we just recently got into anime. Like I, I probably like the last like two or three years. Yeah, you, I started watching anime in 2019. When you oh, are, yeah. you already know, you already know what was my first one, My, my Hero Academia. My Hero Academia. We have, this, we have this running joke in our group. They always say, "My Loser Academia." My Loser Academia. <laughs> so I got into that in 2019. The pandemic happened. There was nothing to do, so I just like obsessively watched anime yeah. for like years, and I never stopped. But Rhea's a liar because literally Rhea would be like, ew, this is for freaking losers. losers. (laughs) I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. Because you know what I had to realize? I realized like there's a certain type of anime for everybody. Yeah. So so she liked the ones with all these male characters. The shonen. Shonen, like going Mm -hmm. on some adventure. And I was like, oh my gosh, too many characters give me anxiety. It's just boring. It's not cute. But like when I found like the all girl cast or like that magical type, magical girl type of stuff, I was like, 
<laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> so I think um, the first anime I watched was Michiko and Hachin. Yeah. Where, like she was like, an assassin, like taking care of this little girl. And she was black too. I was like, oh my God. And then revolutionary girl Utena. It was it was over from there. It was it was over from there. Yeah, that one's so good. I started watching animes when I was like 12 or 13. Uh, and I was very, very into it. Like, I listened to a lot of, like, Vocaloid music. I had that whole phase. Like, I, I was in... Okay. Yeah, like, I was in, like, anime club in high school. And then I joined the one in college. And I surprisingly never really did, like, any anime covers on my own. However, when I was posting on my channel and stuff, like, I don't know why I never thought to do that. But I guess it just never overlapped the two. But toward the end of high school, like my senior year, I started cosplaying. I got into that and I have a whole, you know, account and things to do that. So, yeah, anime's always just been something I'm really, really interested in and that I really like. And, you know, I cosplay and I buy all this expensive things. Yeah, I love buying artwork and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I was really excited to implement that and, like, mesh two things that I do that are big parts of who I am together. I was actually talking to a friend at dinner, uh, my friend Sharifa and her husband, and we were just talking about the animes that we liked. And she just like kind of like put the idea in my head. She was like, yo, I feel like y'all would cross over very well into the anime community. The people that she had talked to, like listened to our music, they already really liked it. She was like, I feel like if you guys kind of like entered that space in some way, it would be very receptive because you guys are just like black girls, like in a rock band. That's already cool in itself. And so I knew when we found a new singer, it was kind of like an idea that was kind of brewing under the surface. I was like, mm -hmm. I just want to do like covers of songs that we like. It, and it's not like a marketing strategy too. Like we can't just like put out all of our original stuff because people just don't know us yet. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. For us to do that. So I was like, let's do like something that we do like and other people like. So all of our favorite anime covers. And now we're going to slowly introduce like our original music in there because we just dropped something for Black Fay Day with one of our original songs. And it did actually very well. Yeah, so people I was really like, liked it. I am so obsessed with this storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's y'all's real life, but I am I am so sure. You guys were like, do you want to do anime covers? I said, boy, do I? <laughs> Rhea didn't tell me. So I remember when we first met Mindy and then I was like, oh, okay. And Mindy had, the, I forgot what, what hoodie you wear. The, it was one you were wearing. I said, oh, do you like anime? Yeah. And I was like, looked at Rhea, and you didn't say anything? <laughs> it all came up with conversation. I was like, you idiots. <laughs> I am so fascinated because very often I, like Mindy, have been out here in the anime space for a long, long time. In the trenches. In the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> and usually if you see people creating in the space, I feel like there's different levels of entry. Mm -hmm. Cosplay, I think it is hard, but it's so popular that I think people are quicker to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you get into like, we're creating music, that sort of thing around it, like those are people usually really into it. So I totally expected your answer to be like, oh yeah, we've been out here since... <laughs> You know, we were five years old. Our dad watched Dragon Ball Z. Oh, my <laughs> God. My dad forced me to sit through Speed Racer and Astro Boy. Oh, dang. Okay. See, my dad, it was oh, Dragon man. Ball Z. Thankful. That is wild. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> but to hear that y'all have only been into it, well, Rhea and Courtney have only been into it since 2019, that is so shocking to me. I want to know what that's been like to come into this space so new because I don't have that perspective. Like when you've been in the anime space so long, like I can kind of understand how people view anime from the outside, but it's hard when you're in it and you've been yeah. in it. So I'm curious what that's been like to come into it at an older age in 20, whatever that is, 2019, 2020, and so on. It was really easy because like a lot of our like friends, like my friend Brennan, who I've known since the first day of college in 2011. And a lot of our friends have always been into it. Like like you both have always been into it since they were like children. So then when you finally say, hey, I'm watching this. They're like, oh my God, finally. Like a lot of our friends said, oh my God, finally. We were, we were wondering when you're going to like take that journey. And this is people who don't even watch anime. Like about time. Like it was only mad that time we're really into like whatever stuff anyway. So getting into that was super easy. And I we used to be teachers, long story. And so I taught elementary like K through six. And they recommend so much yeah, stuff to you. I, oh yeah, half the recommendations I got were from them. Because like once they found mm -hmm. that, you, that we liked it, they were like, oh my God, you watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I was like, yes. 
for me, I was like just a small bit apprehensive because I've seen like on TikTok and like just like social media, how black creators are treated when they want to enter oh, um, the yeah. anime space. Like mm-hmm. remember um, Afro Coco Puffs? Hey, nada, it ain't black. Hey, nada. And she like wrote that, that because people, yeah, she wrote that because people were like, you can't be this character because they're not black. You can't do this. And mm-hmm. you would see it to other creators. And so I was just like, I kind of like went in there knowing that this might be a possibility that could happen to us. But for now, it's been very, very like the reception has been very, very good. So very positive. That makes me happy. I was going to ask that, you know, how the reception has been, but it makes me happy that it's been so positive. I know for me, again, I was at Sakura Matsuri and I wasn't where the stage was where y'all were at was kind of by the entrance. And there were a ways off. There were booths and stuff. And so I was over there. Just looking at stuff, looking at some Haikyuu merch. And <laughs> I heard the Demon Slayer opening and I was like, oh, is there an anime cover band? That's cool. And then I look over and I saw y'all were black. And I literally turned to my partner and said, we're going <laughs> we to the stage go. and like left him in the dust <laughs> and ran over. I was like, this is so serious right now. I'm not messing around. We are going to go support this band right now. Right oh, now. that's wonderful to hear. And so I'm glad that that reception has been like the norm. I would think so because people love anime covers. I think covers in general, I mean. Mm. I think they do really well on social media from what I see, especially in the anime space. Also, people really are finally wanting to see more, I think, Black creators in the like... Mm alt-rock music space. They've been there, but they haven't been so welcome. But I finally feel like we're there. So I'm glad that's coalescing for y'all. You were talking about how it's been a journey. And it made me think of, I don't know if y'all have heard of this art theme that happens every October called Blacktober. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is a bunch of artists draw characters that they like as Black. Yes, I love to see that. And often they're anime characters. But I remember the first year was 2020. 20 mm-hmm. i believe and yeah they got so much of the similar pushback of like this character is not black yada 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 so it does feel like it's still an issue obviously but i feel like we've made headway even in the last few years thank god oh yeah definitely i mean as like you know being someone that's been in it for quite some time like it's also cool because it's a lot less like you that's so weird you like anime like which is yeah. like mm-hmm. it's like i think that's pretty cool like now anime is like not considered as weird like it's becoming more and more like normal whereas when i was in high school like i was not popular or cool for like doing my vocaloid dance at the talent show you know <laughs> like it was just not that so i literally precious. did my vocaloid dance at the talent show i don't know what nobody stopped me but i did that but yeah it was not well received back in the day and um you know there's some people that are also were into anime way back when that are kind of like salty about this now they're like oh now everybody likes it no it's cool Mm -hmm. and like sure i can understand that a little bit but i don't know i would rather the younger people now that are into anime be like oh look at my new deku keychain at school and people be like oh awesome that's so cool i just will finish season three i would rather have that than the experience that i had when i was in high school So I have no issue with people being like, oh, yeah, I just recently started watching so-and-so. I think that's awesome. I think that's so cool. I also was going to mention, as far as being Black and being in, like, just nerd spaces in general, Mm -hmm. I think that there's, there's a lot of people in pop culture as well that have made it, like, cool or acceptable for Black people or Black women like Megan Thee Stallion in particular uh, mm-hmm. comes to mind. Like but she's I- a huge anime fan. She loves anime. Yeah, she's I- been since, you know, and it's not new for her. Like she's been into it since she was very young as well. Like she did this like Todoroki cosplay shoot. Oh, yeah. Right. Me too. And like to see someone that popular and that big and like a beautiful black woman that people regard as being really cool and trendy and everything it made me like to be dramatic but like healing the trauma of like being that's so real yeah of like being black and and being into all of that stuff that was not considered cool whatsoever just a few years ago so it was really cool to see that i certainly think that doing the anime covers now and everything the reception is very positive for that reason that it's like cooler now or people are less rude about it people are more open to to learning about it and understanding it have y'all had any people online or in person come to your anime covers and not really know anything about anime yeah. but think, say things like, oh, this is really cool. I'm into it. I mean, sometimes like Courtney talks quite a bit on the mic. Courtney, like, does anybody know? Okay, Demon Slayer. And people will be like, 
<laughs> like no uh but then you know they get into it we play it they pump their fists we love to see it you know because sometimes like if courtney didn't say hey this is an anime cover they would just think it was original and still be like you wrote a song in japanese <laughs> wow <laughs> and that's what fucks them up too mm-hmm. how many singing in japanese too and they're like oh my god they're singing English. <laughs> it's because I used to like sing like Vocaloid songs and stuff, so I've got the I've got the sounds on my tongue, so I can learn them pretty quickly and easily. No, Mindy, you you surprised me. I think when we first released the Garenge video, mm-hmm. we have like this drive, yeah, and it has a list of all the anime covers that are up next. So Garenge was up first, and then in like one of the columns, I had oh here's the English translation. So Mindy starts singing. Like in English first, and then she starts singing in Japanese. She sends me her video, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Oh, excuse me." Oh my god! And I, I like to translate the songs myself. Like it helps me remember them better, as opposed to learning like the English version that someone else did. Like I like to see the lyrics and like make my own words for it. It helps me like not forget because it's like it's really in there. So yeah, I, I used to do that just for fun. Like when I was in high school, I'd listen to my little Japanese songs and I'd, like do English versions and like yeah man that is absolutely baby wee behavior i mean that <laughs> endearingly <Yeah>. just <laughs> sitting in class translating world is mine into making it singable that's so lovely y'all need to go listen to their good cover because it's so good because that's an ambitious song so i would was. i'm not a singer but it sounds and feels ambitious to me like if you ever watch lisa Oh, yes. yes. If you see her sing, like there's a video of her singing it, basically acapella. Like, take, it oh, is, one take, one take. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah. one take. Love it's it. It's so good. It is so good. Like chills. So good. So <laughs> of course I ran over and I was nervous because I was like, this is a, this is a big song, oh, but know. y'all delivered. I Thank you. am very impressed. I would have been so nervous. Thank you. It oh. is, is certainly intimidating. I'm like, okay, gotta make sure I'm all moistened, can't crack, no cracking on these high notes. <laughs> Because I feel like if there's one anime song that just the general public knows, it's that one. Yeah, people like, they get hyped for that one for sure. I would like to know, again, I'm not a musician, I would say in the capital M musician, but I did play pianos from like kindergarten to 18 years old and was in marching band, played saxophone for seven, eight years, however long that is. And I get very curious about the musicality and the theory that goes into people writing songs and the things that they do. And Japanese music is very different than Western music. So I wondered if there was anything interesting that y'all noticed in doing anime covers. Were y'all surprised at how well it fits your sound? I know your friend recommended you looking into this, but was that surprising for y'all? What was that process like? Can I just say for me, usually like with the anime covers we do and just like like J-Rock, this is, some of the stuff is very technical. Like for me, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the greatest drummer in the world. I will never claim to be. Like some of that stuff, like I have to like, not dumb it down, but like make it accessible for me because like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that J Rock is doing do is very tech. Yeah. It's it is so wild. So um I have like a like a just a J Rock playlist on my phone and I'll just like just put it on shuffle. And the stuff they're just doing like on bass, because I specifically listen for like bass and drums, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely insane. And it's very intimidating to listen to sometimes. I try to find a way to like make it fit for like what I can do on these instruments. Mm. So Japanese singers, they have a very specific style of singing. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like the technique is very different from that of an American singer. Mm. American singers, we have a very like breathy way of singing. I try to like mimic the way that the singer is, is doing their thing. I used to listen to a lot of like Japanese bands as well in high school. So like mm-hmm. my favorite band is Buck Tick. I like Extra Pan, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah. I'm curious. You said that your family is very musical, right, Mindy? And I don't know about y'all's family, Rhea and Courtney, but how has your family reacted <laughs> to the music that you're making? I know y'all have been doing this for a while, but especially since the shift to a more Midwest emo sound with the anime covers do they understand it do they think it's cool are they just like go baby go (laughs) our so our mom and our dad react differently so our mom is like oh yeah y'all do music she like she is very she's very supportive of everything we do our dad just like i don't think he like understands like the depth of our band like he asked me Mm. oh my goodness a few weeks ago 
you still in that band? You still playing that music? I'm like, yes, daddy, we have rehearsal. It's it's like that. So I think he thinks of it as like, this is just like our hobby. And like, it looked up to me if I could do music full time, I would. But I was just mm-hmm. like, this is kind of like our like life force. Like, I don't mean to sound like sad or anything, but I don't have hobbies and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, I, I, I like to read. I like to watch anime and I love to do stuff with Sheila. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hang out with my friends. I love my friends. What about you, Mindy, and your family? So they know about my anime nonsense. You know, they know I've been into it <laughs> for a very long time. But yeah, they've all been really, you know, of course, supportive of my music and the band. They absolutely love you two so much. They absolutely just adore you guys. My family actually came to our first gig. My two sisters, they came and they wouldn't stop talking about y'all. And they were just over the moon. Like, oh my God, they're so <laughs> talented. They're so beautiful. They absolutely love the band. They love of everything we do. Yeah, the, the reception from family has been great. <laughs> I know sometimes it can be a challenge for Black folk in particular, because mm-hmm. I think Mindy was talking about that healing the trauma, and it sounds dramatic, but for real, yeah. like growing up as a Black nerd specifically, there's, of course, just being a nerd and society not really meshing with that. But being a Black nerd mm-hmm. on top of that, you have folks sometimes, I didn't experience it as much because my whole family is very nerdy, mm-hmm. but who will say, oh, you're not black enough. Why are you into that white kid yeah. stuff? Stuff like My that. My family didn't get it at, at first, but they mm-hmm. slowly came around because they're all very strange in their own ways. My dad likes like comic yeah. books and that kind of stuff. So that mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. helped. You know what's crazy? I've like done some like um, reflecting and like like just thinking about my dad a lot. And it's crazy. Our dad is definitely a black nerd, but he never identified mm. as it. So mm. he is, I think we got our musical like sense from him. He was very into rock. He loves Led Zeppelin. Like he would play this stuff when we were like four, four. like four to make us fall asleep. He loved Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jethro Tull, that dude who played a flute and stand on his one leg or whatever. <laughs> So our dad was so into that. Oh, the, talk, the talking heads. The talking heads. But the fact that like where he's from and how he grew up. And I think because he was like kind of like intimidating. He was like a bigger black mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. People just like stepped to him. So like he joined the Navy at like, what is it? Like, 17. 17. He grew up in like the South Mississippi mm-hmm. in like the 50s and 60s. And he was actively like listening to this stuff or whatever. And people just, I don't know. He didn't get the reception that mm-hmm. we did as being like black they were just like, oh, yeah, Tucker, you like that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, like, when we were getting into, like, Paramore and, like, Under Underoath and, like, Screamo music and stuff like that, it was always, y'all are so white, y'all yeah. are so white. So I'm definitely thinking it was, like, the dynamics of, like, who he was as, like, a Black man versus who we were as, like, Black women mm-hmm. and how he was, like, treated differently. Mm. Yeah. Then we are so been like self reflecting on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, women often get belittled for the things that we like all the time, so... You know, unfortunately, the overlap with also being black and liking that kind of stuff certainly doesn't help. It sounds like y'all's dad is very similar to my dad. My dad knows he's a nerd. He's very much knows that. But he grew up in the segregated South, like in the 50s and 60s, was very nerdy, was into all of this stuff, which is why he was my first interview. But I don't think he ever had that reception of he does talk about how, you know, him and his friends were called squares, probably by the people around because that was the term back in the day. But I don't think people had the pop cultural context also to make fun of people as virulently about it as they did when we were coming Mm -hmm. up so there's also that piece of it it's with awareness comes mean people i guess Yeah. Yeah. Um, to piggyback on, I know I, I, I kind of shit on my dad a little bit there at the beginning with the Astro Boy and the Speed Racer, but <laughs> I didn't particularly enjoy those that much. But Fair. yeah, on the other end of that, he was always super supportive of like me liking anime and everything. Like he loves Spider Man, he loves Marvel and comics and stuff. And yeah, he, we used to watch the Justice League together. That I actually liked. I didn't mind that too much. I actually liked that a lot. But yeah, my dad was super into that. My mom wasn't so nerdy but i guess i definitely got like music taste from her like she likes the cure and like bjork and Susie and the banshees and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah yeah my parents were were both nerdy in their in their own ways so that definitely helped i love meeting people and finding out they had nerdy upbringings even a little bit similar to mine because i think it really fosters creativity and i really hope it's more common especially in black families going into these next generations mm-hmm. as people are more 
out and proud with how nerdy they are because I wonder if y'all would have been able to get to this place where, you know what, we're going to make this band and we're going to transition into doing this type of music and we're going to do anime covers if you didn't feel like you had that support because it is different. I mean, maybe y'all would. Y'all's personalities may be very like, we're just going to do it. and that, But I think for a lot of people, especially nerds who tend to be introverted, it the support is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, our our mom, um, I will say she's probably she was very supportive in like all of our interests. So she even though she doesn't understand it, she'll support it. So even now at 30, and I'll call her and say, What'd you do today? Oh my goodness, mommy, I watched this anime. I still say mommy, by the way. I watched this anime. I'll t- I was telling her the whole plot of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure the other day. <laughs> and you know what? She didn't understand it. Like, I'm she probably didn't care, but she was like, you know what? If you like it, I love it. And when we were, um, I remember we were learning to drive. She knows every single song on Fall Out Boy's Fully Adu. I know I said that wrong, but um, she knows every single word on that album because that was my driving, like when I was learning to drive, and she can like sing that whole album front to back. That's awesome. I wasn't allowed to drive with music on because I was supposed to be concentrating. So back to when I saw you at Soccer Matsuri, another reason why, I mean, obviously your music was great, but the other thing that I found really interesting because there was a whole part of the programming by plus one entertainment was that what it was called plus ultra ultra, there you go plus ultra entertainment so there was other people performing Mm -hmm. but y'all were i don't know if y'all were first y'all were the first i saw but that i saw were the only ones that courtney gave a speech basically talking about you know thanking soccer matsuri for having y'all out and really recognizing the space saying like y'all invited us into the space we really appreciate that you know we know japanese culture is more than anime etc etc and i just thought that was really neat And really well said also. So I was wondering, why did you feel it was important to make that statement? Um, So with anything, like just being in different spaces. So like my biggest fear, like especially when like like gaining an audience is like stepping into a space that you don't belong and saying something stupid. And then people are like, what the fuck are you saying that type of stuff? So I wanted to make that a point because like I'm not Japanese. I don't, I mean, I could be, I don't know. But like, I don't. (laughs) by as like an Asian American or like Japanese American or whatever. So like it's it was just cool like how they had that whole thing and them showcasing like showcasing like their local, culture. Local talent. And local talent, especially people of Japanese heritage. And like people are proud of that shit. Like the same thing happens like when we do stuff with like other black artists. Like we go hard for it. So like I always want to be like respectful of the communities that I'm in. Like I play on a woman's rugby team. Like I'm not LGBTQI plus but like shoot super huge ally. Like, I'm invited into your space, and I'm not going to, like, disrespect you or anything. So I always think wherever we go, always being mindful of that. Ne- I never want to yeah, intrude. Of yeah, of course. We never want to take up space for an artist or whoever who is that, who belongs to that community, who it could have right. went to. What was y'all's process coming to that understanding? Because I think a lot of artists and creators, and this is not, this is absolutely no shade, but it's not something I think a lot of artists and creators think about, or if they do, it's nerve wracking to address Mm because how do you address it? It can be very confusing and kind of intimidating. So I think a lot of creators and artists just kind of, we'll just go on and hopefully no one notices. So I wonder if there was a process and if so, what it was coming to that understanding and understanding how to address it. I think for us, I can't speak for everybody, but I think When you're in a marginalized group, like being black or being a black woman, you're always hyper aware of these things. And you always, and you always see people coming into our spaces and taking things that are ours. And I was like, that doesn't feel good. Like it's annoying. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like when you're used to that feeling of someone taking your thing or jumping into yours, you can put yourself in their shoes. Exactly. Like I, for me, that's always on the Mm -hmm. forefront of my mind every single time we do any performance. Mm -hmm. And even when we're like picking performances, like like we're pretty popping in this area. So we always have performances. We're like, we're at the point where like, we do have a pretty like really good fan base and people really like us. So we can be selective about the things that we want to do. Like if someone's like, hey, let's play like this. We love America festival. Like I can say, I don't want to do that. Like I can be selective of the things I want to to protect my peace and the peace of other people too. And um, going into this, um, when I was co- uh, coordinating with the um, the organizers, I was like asking like reassurance. I was like, Hey, are you sure this is okay? I was just like, it's been like, not bothering me, but it's like, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go up there. And it's just like, be intrusive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah. Cause like their organization plus ultra is really big on like, it's kind of like what your podcast does. Like the, that intersection of like black people and mm-hmm. like uh, Asian pop mm-hmm. culture. So um, I think their organization was like really like highlighting, like, 
Black people, like, who do appreciate Asian culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to, like, make sure of that. Like, for sure, for sure, before we went in and did this. And I think the reception, from my perspective, in the crowd, I think the reception was really good. What was y'all's sense of it? Oh, yeah. People loved us. It was yeah, fun. people were singing along. Yeah. Low-key flex. People loved us. It was great. <laughs> I, know, I was really about to say that. Like, like, it was oh. awesome. We did so good. Everybody loved us. <laughs> Nobody had one bad thing to say. What's the line for y'all? Have y'all discussed that as band? Or do you each have a personal line as far as, you know, cultural appropriation and appreciation? Because I feel like, at least to me, that I've experienced talking to a bunch of creators and people in these spaces, I feel that everybody has kind of their own line, which I don't think is wrong. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. So I just wanted to know where y'all's line is. For me, depending on whatever we're doing, especially when you're dealing with organizations that you're not familiar with i will always search them like when i tell you my biggest like i have severe anxiety anyway yay zola but like i have severe anxiety so like i'm so thinking about this so i'm like um yeah no you will never catch me on the nine o'clock news being like this black girl band sheila <laughs> on this this, this ku klux Klan podcast like <laughs> you will not catch me on they this. performed at the kkk pep rally they're canceled <laughs> exactly. unsubscribe unfollow you right now people slandering my name the grand wizard was there <laughs> like You'll never catch me. And also, we had an experience with this a few years ago. We are not someone's token. Like, mm-hmm. someone like oh, we don't even want to get into this. We're like having it was a hard pill to swallow. It was like it's annoying because people like they're like all up in your face. Oh, we love you. You're this. You're that. You do this, but then you look at their stuff and they do nothing for communities. Nothing for people who look like me. You just say that, and you need me. I have to be basically your only diversity hire. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after that, we after that realization, we were like, mm, no. I want to validate y'all's feelings. I know that experience. It's tough. It really yeah. is. And you do feel a little bit embarrassed for yourself that you even let it happen. But, mm-hmm. you know, it does make you more wary. You research a lot. So I very much relate to that. And I think a lot of people will, too, because even if you're not a creator, like you're interacting if you're a minority with the greater American culture, which is really just white culture, which means navigating these things of trying to be tokenized and how do you deal with that? And I think that's something that as creators in these spaces of Asian pop culture, being Black people not from that space, it's easy to forget to also protect your piece too, right? Because then also when it comes to stuff like that, like being outside of a certain culture or a certain marginalized group, you have to always think, oh man, like then I got to think about people being anti-Black and saying crazy ass shit, like Mm -hmm. stuff like it's like a it's like a double edged sword. It sure is. It's really difficult to navigate. And even leading these conversations, I've only been out here for officially, I've been planning and stuff for a long, long time. But at the time of recording, what, a month or something like that? And just seeing the double edged sword at play in comments and stuff, it's it's difficult. Do y'all ever feel disheartened by trying to navigate that? Like, this is just so hard. Why can't it be easier? Mm. Sometimes I do because it's like the thing about us is like, I'm like, I'm not even trying to be like, oh, we're this, we're that. But like, let me just talk about this. Yeah. Like we talk about this all the time. Like we are so different. Like when, like when we do a lineup with any group that we perform with, we automatically stand out because mm. we're all black, first of all. And then we're playing instruments. So, and we're not like a, like a female fronted group. It's like everybody is in the group. Mm-hmm. It's like a black right. woman. So that's just like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. that's cool to look at. But um, the TikTok algorithm is just wild. Like, oh my God. I was, no, yeah, I was I mean, just about all, to say it. <laughs> bro, right? Like, we are like so just like, we play our own instruments, write our own songs. We're just really fucking talented. Right. It's really annoying when like people aren't recognizing that. Cause it's just like, we just need, like, I just want that one opportunity to be like, oh shit, go on tour. Oh, you can do music full time. Yeah, I was I was going to say like that definitely is like I've been doing a lot of online content for a long time, you know, as far as like posting music and like doing cosplay and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I first started out, I was very young. I was probably like 15 or 16 when I officially started like posting it and like wanting to do it more seriously. And I definitely experienced hate comments or people being just so weird and like, oh, this character doesn't look like this. or like this cosplay group would look great if it wasn't for this person. Like I've definitely experienced things like that. I haven't been in the band that long, so (laughs) I haven't experienced anything like that in particular in regards to my music music but definitely I can speak from that perspective as like a cosplayer and as a content creator in general algorithms 
are really tricky. I usually do like the posting for the TikToks. Like I post, I like know the appropriate、mm. times to post and like what audios to use that are popular at the time to try and like get more traction for it. But yeah, being a black creator in any sense, artist, musician, cosplayer, the algorithms will definitely. Purposefully, either like push your video down. You could do the same thing that someone else is doing that doesn't look like you, and theirs will automatically just shoot up, and people will see that. And it's like you don't even get the opportunity to be seen for people to even decide whether it's good or not. It's just not showing in general. And yeah, it's it's a tricky subject because some people are like, "Oh, that's just an excuse." When no, there's a lot of people have actually shown like data. Like when I first joined TikTok and started posting my same content, it was doing pretty well, and then. Suddenly, I posted one video about being black or a black joke or talking about police brutality, etc. Things like that, and then suddenly my views dropped when I continued doing my funny thing or my music thing. So it's definitely very frustrating because these two are so incredibly talented, and I think it's insane that more people haven't been able to see it. Specifically in regards to algorithms and the internet and the the AI bots that scan your video and are like, "Oh, you're black? <laughs> no,、nope, we're gonna we're gonna put this down here. No one's gonna see this." So it's it's really unfortunate, and I have to like try and work. Find ways to get around it, but it's very, very frustrating for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm a black creator. <laughs> yeah,、uh, I was going to ask about you know navigating the industry、mm. in general in 2023 as a black like rock band because I see things improving on the outside. Like you have Meet Me at the Altar, who got、oh, signed. I know, I love them. <laughs> who got signed by Fueled by Ramen? Oh yeah,、um, yeah, and they're putting out good stuff. And I just wondered if things are actually changing, or is that all you know, post twenty twenty vanity stuff? You、mm. know, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I, I don't take anything away from them because that band, oh for sure, oh my god, they are so good. New album that came out, they are fantastic. Out the I don't know, like with us, people only want to have. Well, you, there can't be room for multiple black people in here. There can like, only be one. Yeah, <laughs> like literally, compare the careers of Meet Me at the Altar and you know Cinnamon Babe who did Rock and Roll is Black. Okay,、mm-hmm. so meeting at the altar is like I don't want to say cookie cutter, but they're like very commercial friendly, like pop, pop punk, commercial friendly pop punk music, and it does well. They're very Paramore adjacent, and people fuck with that. Right, and it's just good music. You compare that to Cinnamon Babe, who literally the first thing I was introduced by her on Instagram was her song "Rock and Roll Is Black." And since that song came out, she has just received hate comment after hate comment. After just like she was on, she, she was literally on、mm. CNN. Like CNN did an article on her. Like this woman says that black people invented rock and roll music. She, she talks about they、uh, did what? Like, right, like, girl. Like she always talks about like feminism, just like a lot of like black centered issues, and the vitriol that this woman has just received is just so, so disgusting.、Unwanted. Which it shouldn't have to be. Like if you listen to her music, regardless of like if she's talking about black issues, it's just some good fucking、right. music. I hate how black creators are pitted against each other. I hate that we can't speak on issues without, unless you've already carved out a space. There are people who manage to carve out that space for themselves, but broadly, you can't speak on these issues without getting pushed back. It's like you can sing and dance, but in the way that the white audience is okay with. And then when you stop doing that, it's not okay. I also hate the idea that there can only be one because that was my fear—not fear, because again, like you were saying, like meet me at the altar. Fantastic band,、mm-hmm. and I had hopes, you know. Oh, maybe we'll see so many more. Yeah, but we really haven't at that level exactly. And so the worry does become: Oh, is it that there can only be one? Because all the time we're pitted against each other. Even whatever niche you're in, this is true. Like even in podcasting, people will pit you against each other, and it's to me as a creator, I have always thought there is. Enough room for all of us. In fact, it's better for you as a creator if there is more. Like I'm sure y'all can relate as a band. There's only so much music y'all can make. Y'all have your specific sound. If another band comes up that is similar but has their own sound or their own message or whatever, that's better for the audience. That's better for the genre. That's better for music in general, right? And I think that gets lost on people. Even sometimes creators who are coming up with the space, they want they. Buy into that idea that oh well there can only be one so I have to be that、right. one and that's just not true and then it becomes like、mm-hmm. very competitive in a negative way. 
Mm-hmm. And I fight to lift up all of us. We can all come up. That is the goal, right? Really, this is why I absolutely love and adore Punk Black. It's like this organization based um, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness. I'm- they're what Afropunk used to be. Mm-hmm. Like. They're not just like highlighting like black musicians. They do everything. So all blurs, they do. So they used to do like a lot of, they do cosplay and tattoo artists. Love their little segment. They're like five bands you should be listening to. It's for all BIPOC people. But we found so many artists in me. I think that's where we even found me at the altar. But we found so many artists that we listen to now because of them. And they literally uplift literally everyone in like the BIPOC sphere. Mm. Love them. And like, that's why I always do my best to follow pages like, I love um, Afro anime, which they do like what you're talking about earlier, and they like animate the characters to be mm-hmm. black. I don't know if you guys have seen the um, the Demon Slayer black version of like. Tommy yes, Hero. I love seeing those. I also like following accounts like that and finding people who are curating that supportive space and truly curating it and not gatekeeping because mm-hmm. sometimes there are <laughs> people who yeah. are curating, but they're really gatekeeping. But finding those people who are who are about the life, I love love to see it. What do y'all hope to communicate through your music? I just really hope to communicate like people can relate to it, even if it's not their style. That's why I'm so happy that we have Mindy, like the lyrics that Mindy writes. She writes a lot about like love and heartbreak. We never wrote about that. We're like, whatever. Like, <laughs> asexual ass with like, yeah, no. <laughs> I think um, for me, I'm just like, like, like I said, I've been all about self-reflection since turning 30 and like this whole last year. I think um, the music is becoming a little bit like more vulnerable because usually what inspired me to write music, like when a tragedy struck, mm-hmm. I'll go straight to my computer. I was like, oh, the drums are going to sound like this. The bass is going to sound like this. It's about to just be about this whole tragedy that happened. But I think since Mindy's been coming in and like when she sends us like a demo of something, it's just like straight up her and an acoustic guitar. And I'm like, this is so different. Mm-hmm. And like, it like allows me to like sit down and like actually listen. And I'm just like, oh, wow. And then you can like craft like the parts like around like what she's mm-hmm. writing to like complement that and it's been real nice the thing i really love about mindy's lyrics they're like like super heartfelt like and people can relate on a whole level like a song about depression like anxiety i love our song tremendous tina because it's just about a girl who's weird and it doesn't say like oh people made fun of her and called her ugly and she's literally just it's called tremendous tina and she's just great mm-hmm. and like i love that song so it can like Everybody can relate. If you have anxiety and depression and you're weird, like everybody can relate to that. Yeah, I, I like to write songs that I would like to listen to. It feels really nice to hear you say that. I, you know, I never really thought about it that way in terms of my lyrics being like vulnerable and, and about like romance and things like that. A lot of the times they're not necessarily like my personal experiences. I very rarely write songs that are about like me, but I like writing in like metaphors that have to do with like romance on the surface and things like that. And, um, you know, a lot of songs are about like people in my life and friendships and things Mm -hmm. like that as well. But yeah, I, I love Tremendous Tina. I actually wrote that song like during the pandemic, like in 2020, I usually like write poems And then I'll come up with a melody and I see which poem like would go well with that. And I format it into a song. But yeah, I hope people can relate to the songs that we write together. As someone who's uh, you've been through a lot and just had, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound too like serious, but you know I was gone through a lot of like negative things. Like I love sad girl music. Sad girl music is my is my thing. Like like mm-hmm. Mitski, Phoebe Bridgers, <laughs> Dodi. Like I love sad girl music. Um, and oh, I love yes, Dodi. And I I write a lot of music like that. But I also like writing you know cute little songs like Tremendous Tina and um, to yeah, yeah. So people can feel feel some joy, you know. I think the balance is what makes sad girl music that good. Because I love not even just sad girl music, but also when I'm reading, you know, stories. I love angst. I Give me the angst. Yes, I love the sad. But you need the fluff to offset it, right? You can't appreciate one without the other. Right. Uh, And I was certainly worried coming into the band. I was like, are my songs going to be like, (laughs) are these going to be like enough to like flesh out and like be with the vibe of the band? But yeah, I think they certainly have like the way that they transform them is just is just really, really cool. Do you think y'all will ever go back to kind of more in the activism mm-hmm. space, communicating those messages and trying to interweave the two? I would certainly love to try. I'd be, I'd be definitely OK with it. Not like it, like consuming all of our music because I really like sure. the direction. 
I love the direction that our music's going now. Um, it's just like, it's like challenge me as like a songwriter too, because like, I am not like Jimi Hendrix on guitar, but like, I'm not like trying to be the best guitar player in the world. I literally do not care. I write music that like fits our sound. And posture syndrome will literally just like fuck everything up for you and you'll just be in your head. So like, say I'm like listening to like somebody else's music and I'm like, oh my God, these drums sound so amazing. I can never play like that. I don't have to play like that because we make music that like works for us to our abilities. We can still challenge ourselves, but like what fits with what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And if we want to go outside that realm, like down, down the way, like we'll get there too. So. Oh, also this is, I was thinking about this like three questions ago. This is kind of unrelated, but kind of related. Like I was talking about punk black and talking about how meeting at the altar and there's like, only one, like one. Mm-hmm. It's never a competition with us and other bands, like for people of color. Cause I want there to be more of that. Like I remember th- uh, we were talking about Midwest emo bands and I remember Googling all black Midwest emo bands. I don't think there's any. No, I don't know, that I know of. And like, why does it have to be that? Why, why do we have to be a niche genre? I don't know. It's that, something I always think about all the time. So that's why I love organizations like our band, like we're encouraging other people, other people of color to make the kind of music. So we can, there can be more than just one big band. Right. To say. Like yeah. I, I remember when I was a lot younger in high school and everything, I was like Googling like emo bands with black people, <laughs> black emo bands. And like, I would get very few search results. And there's a band in particular, I like called straight line stitch. I haven't checked up on them in a while. I don't know if they're still like doing stuff together, uh, but they hit. I was obsessed with them and, and like it was just so cool to see her because I was like, oh my God, like she looks like me, like she's alternative and she's, you know, doing her thing. So I wonder if in conjunction with this episode, if I need to just like make a playlist for people like get into it, get into the good sounds. I might have to do that because people need to know. And it is hard to find and it's getting easier, but I also remember being that age in like trying to find some bands like it it was rough out here and it's still not great but it's getting better and i just want so badly for people to come to the music i want people to find y'all's band i want y'all to be full-time musicians because i really love what y'all are doing and that's not me trying to gas you i mean yes i'm gassing y'all up but i actually (laughs) truly think it so one of my last questions mm-hmm. is when you get to the end of 2023, what will success look like for y'all for this year? Just for me, personal goals, having not even like the best, but having good mental health because I left a job last year that I despised and mm-hmm. I worked from home and I'm significantly happier. And I said, even if like Sheila, we're still the same where we are, as long as my mental health is okay and I'm able to like clearly be like not entertained, but just like have a passion for the things I like, like Sheila and like playing rugby and hanging out with my friends. And that's all I can ask for truly. So I try to have like personal goals and like goals for like Sheila. Mm -hmm. So um, personally for me, definitely like mental health stuff. I think having a new job, it has helped a whole bunch. So just definitely mental health. And then I want to work on like my physical health too, because like, yeah, I just been on that thing where you eat now every day. Mm -hmm. Um, pounds are kind of like stacking on which is not even a bad thing but like for me i just want to like be physically healthier Mm -hmm. and then like for my goals with sheila we've already like hit most of them like just continue to keep doing shows and like collaborating with people oh we're trying to like record a new album that's like the the next step for like the next few months um and just like kind of travel to like other places other states and Mm -hmm. so we can make connections with other people and get our name out there some more Yeah, I would say for myself, as far as like personal goals, I definitely have similar goals. You know, I am currently working on my physical health and everything and, you know, eating better and just trying to like work out or whatever, (laughs) Uh, you know, so I can feel better. I find that, you know, now I'm a lot less like tired. I have more energy and, you know, all of those good benefits, sleeping better and all of that. As far as band goals for Sheila, I want to play as many shows as possible. I love performing live. It's it's something I, I used to do on my own a couple of years ago, but, you know, with the pandemic and everything, slowing everything down, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to do that for a very long time. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity to get back on stage. So that's been really wonderful. I definitely, I would say another goal of mine, I want to change up my style a bit. I want to push myself more in terms of, singing and writing songs and the type of music that I do. I want to try branching off into all different types of genres. 
you know, I take voice lessons here and there. Like I'm really, really working to improve my voice. And I feel like it's grown quite a bit since I started with the band. Like there's something about singing with like the power of two instruments behind you that like really like pushes me to do more vocally than I usually would, mm-hmm. you know, singing a lot louder, doing, trying a bit things that I wouldn't normally try if I'm just playing acoustic guitar in my room by myself. So that's something I want to keep improving and keep pushing myself to improve my vocal ability. I'm learning to like do screaming and stuff. <laughs> I've been practicing and working on it. So I want to implement it into one of our upcoming covers. I haven't specified which one, but I want to try and implement it and see how it works and if it can come together. But yeah, that's that's certainly a goal is, is, is diversifying my vocal abilities as well as trying to branch out and write different types of songs. I won't ask y'all to spoil what y'all got coming mm-hmm. up. We'll we'll do a less spoilery question of what is y'all's favorite anime theme? Ooh. You guys go first. I already have mine. Mine's already, already Okay, have. okay. Okay. So so I'm 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 split between two and we already we've we've done one of them for the TikTok. JoJo's mm-hmm. Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. That was so good. That one did hit. When I tell you the the way that that one got like no engagement, I was just like did it not? Y'all are shady. No. See, so it's weird. So, like, we will always, like, cross-post to, like, TikTok and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I think because, like, in the past, we've been, like, more active on Instagram. We're just, like, now getting our TikTok up. They genuinely do be- a little bit better on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I tell you crazy, noisy, bizarre town, that fucking hit. Like, just, like, stop playing <laughs> in my face. Hit. Hit. The saxophones. Yeah, stop. Rhea on the saxophones. Yeah. Like, come on, people. That's what Come I, on now. That's why I, y'all dropped that. I was so excited. I mean, yes, I did play saxophone. So like, am I biased? Maybe, <laughs> but the talent, y'all don't understand. I need y'all to understand. The fact that you play, I, I can't get over it. I really Yeah, can't. when I saw Rhea pull out play, the sax for the first time, I was like, wait, what? I was like, huh? She plays soprano, alto, tenor, and very. I, know, I need y'all to here. understand how difficult that it's is. They're so, stuff. that range is so different. Like, to be able to play soprano sax and Barry sax well, both of those things, I... <laughs> speechless. Well, don't, don't gas me up too much because, like, the, the amount of takes that that took, like, a lot. Like, it's like, I don't think... <laughs> Courtney's just me, like, like Barry's oh my No, Barry is my least favorite saxophone to play because I don't think my tone is that yeah. good on it. So, like, I was, like, recording it in chunks. And mm-hmm. I was like, if this is a repeated, whatever, oh, we're going to repeat this measure. I'm going to do a one and done, and then we're just going to go the next thing. Recording saxophone is always stressful. But um, yeah, I think that is my favorite anime theme. Um, besides Revolutionary Girl Utena, Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town, just like, hits, hits. But do you go? That's okay. Uh, I have two. So I have two that I like can't. We'll allow I it. I can't like. Um, so I really love Core Pride. I, I believe it's the Blue Exorcist uh, opening from season two or like part two that one goes so hard i don't know if i don't think i put that in our list to like cover because it's just it's got a lot going on it's got some saxophone actually so maybe we could we could throw throw it in the list yeah it's got some saxophone it's like very heavy on the bass and it's definitely one of my favorite openings but if i had to choose like top tier number one i would say the opening of the melancholy of harahi suzumiya I don't know if I put that in the list to cover, but we haven't done it yet. You did? I did? Yes. So that song is called Boken Dasha Dasha. And it's like, it's like this very like J-pop, like melodical, like little song. And it's, it's just so good. Like it, it gives you like this, like it gives you the goosebumps a little bit. Like it just has these beautiful chord progressions. And I really love the, the singer. She actually voices the main character as well. Her name is Aya Hirano. Um, and she's like a, mm-hmm. uh, also a singer. She they, they do quite a bit of music with that show. Like they have a lot of extra songs. Like they really fed the fans as far as like, like oh yeah, she's a singer. <laughs> We're going to like give you as much music. And she, the character only sings in one episode. And yet they have all of this amazing side content of her singing and these other songs. So yeah, I definitely give that a listen. Give it a watch. It's It's not super well known, but it's like my top favorite anime so i'm gonna have to put that as my number one song all right we will note it for the people yes. i'm gonna link to all of these if i can find them all because anime openings depending on the anime some are easy to find some right. are not online but i will link to them in the show notes go on courtney let's hear it okay so 
my hero academia. Though my hero, I watched season six in three days. Okay, pick one. Okay, so <laughs> it's got a um Attack on Titan season four, the ending, Akuma Noko. So I don't know how to speak Japanese. The ending, it makes me cry because that's like a oh, I love it. And then um can pull up the playlist? I did. I was like, oh, oh. I don't know if you guys ever watched Kogios. Yes! Uh, I love Kogios. It's called O2 by Orange Bang. Remember. And then, um, oh. Rio, I- okay, top five. <laughs> we said one or two. Maybe my this one. Ah, uh, I think we should do this one. What's the one, the girl, how do we, when her mom died? Mm, Fruits no, Basket? What's the one, her mom died? Fruits Basket, yeah. thank you. That, they're ending that one song by Warps Up called Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. I like that song. I love it. I've got, whenever y'all cover that, I have like a list of people to send it to (laughs) (laughs) who would love to see it. Love that song so much. I, the question wasn't for me, but I want want to know know. that I do not have good taste. (laughs) I don't know why it remains a favorite. I think it just like is imprinted in my Mm -hmm. mind, but the, I think it's season one ending of Inuyasha is called Every Heart by... I'm going to look it up. Shoot. I do not remember who it's by. But the thing is... Well, first of all, I loved Inuyasha. I loved, 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 like, loved back in the yeah. day. But also, it came on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. and oh, Adult Swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would come on. And so what would happen a lot of the time is I'd fall asleep. And that would be what would wake me <laughs> oh, up the, as the, the ending theme. Every heart. And so it's just imprinted in my mind in a way that I don't think any other theme has. So anytime I hear it, I just, it's like that fluttery, like, oh, just feels so good. I just love that song. Uh, I think it's very classic, mellow ballad mm. anime theme. Like when I think of those types of ending mm-hmm. things, like that, that one is very quintessential to me. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite. It's so hard. There's so many. There's so many. One that I think was very also indicative of the time that anime came out was Death Note's opening. Oh and I don't know God, the name off the top I of my head. That. It was very of that time. And oh, it was you mean, so good. You mean the first one where he's, where it's like, I personally really like the opening of like, I don't know if it was like part two or second season that like Screamo. Oh, I really like that opening a lot. It's so good. That is so good. I don't know why that didn't <laughs> stick in my memory. Like the first one did probably because I've seen the first, the first part of Death Note way more often because kind of. Loki after L dies, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually rewatch the whole right. thing. I didn't want to yes, spoil it. Go. I was gonna say when Oh, I'm so no, sorry. It's, I mean, it's new. old. If you haven't seen oh, it by if, if anyone real. hasn't oh, okay. seen it by now, like sorry, too bad to sad. I was gonna say after so after sorry. we lose a certain person, I <laughs> see this is this what happens. I don't like I don't know. I feel like the, the like the big mainstream like animes I don't watch because I, I like what yeah, I like. You you have so, a niche. I always just like watch yeah, I just watch random shit. But yeah, every time I want to men- I mention an anime to Courtney that I'm watching, she's like, What the fuck is that? <laughs> Nobody is watching them because she was- The fact that you knew what a uh, revolutionary girl Utena was, I was so taken aback. I was like, What? <laughs> That's like pretty niche. Like like I when I yeah, came into their uh, like practice room for the first time and I saw a Nutena poster and I was like, Is that Nutena? Like, what? I think I just started watching it over the pandemic, you know, because what else was I going to do? So I was, like, just watching it. I'd always wanted to watch it because it looked cute. So wait, you say you like magical girl animes. So have you watched Sailor Moon yet? Like, have you done the... The full rewatch? No. Okay, so we watched it when we were, like, really young. So mm-hmm. uh, we went to, like, a private school when we were, like, five, five, six, yeah, five, six years old. And we would watch it in the mornings at, like, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. getting ready to school. So I don't remember that much about it. But then... Oh my god! When I was working at this school, I went on this whole like depression watch mm. because I would wake up. This was like my routine. It was like my depression routine. I would wake up at three o'clock every fucking morning, make fish sticks, and watch Sailor Moon. It was like it was so specific because I was so miserable. But the only thing that made like gave me joy was literally just randomly watching Sailor Moon on Hulu. But I want to do like a rewatch where I'm like now of like sound. Mind. Yeah, so you're really focused. <laughs> like watch it while like. I'm actually happy and like take in the story because I feel like I wasn't taking anything in. I was just like watching it. Mm-hmm. Like nothing was registering. I hope you do. There's a great podcast called Sailor Moon Fan Club when you do get into it. I interviewed her oh. episode two. 
What was it, episode two? I'm asking y'all like y'all know. I think it was episode two. (laughs) And she's a great host. She does great stuff. She's doing like this Sailor Moon party in June, in a couple of weeks, I guess at the time that this is airing in New York City. She's great. I think you'd really be into it. She loves just magical girl shows in general. You should check her out when when you get there. We are overtime, actually. I'm I apologize. Thank you all for joining me. This has been a blast, honestly, truly. I do, you know, enjoy all my guests, but y'all are so much fun. Love the banter. Before we go, <laughs> please tell the good folks where they can find you and what y'all got going on and what's in the works. Um, so you can follow us everywhere at Shield the Band. How I'll be forgetting. Follow our Spotify page so we get more Spotify listeners, especially when we use album, TikTok. Instagram at Sheila the Band. Yeah, and uh, on Spotify, like any music streaming, just search Sheila the mm-hmm. Band, like separate words, and then our music will right. pop up. And tune in every Friday. We drop anime. Yes, covers. TikTok and Instagram both. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep your eyes on that space. And thank you all so much for joining me. And thank you so much for listening. It's been a blast, I'm sure, for y'all at home. If you're listening, I want to know what y'all's favorite bands are. They don't have to be black alternative bands, but if they are bonus points, please let us know. (laughs) And you can do that. Uh, Let me know at CultureX Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. And until next time, keep it chill and keep it nerdy. (laughs) 